Okay, so I'll get started. I'll get started with a quick introduction first. I'll just wait for everyone to get their Bibles out. All right, all good. So introduction. Um, Malachi is the last of the 12 minor prophets. The meaning of Malachi, well, Malachi wrote his own book, Malachi, of course. Um, the name of the name Malachi means my messenger. It, it is a Hebrew Jewish name. And the book of Malachi took me only 11 minutes to read. So it's definitely worth just one day going through it and reading it for yourself. I mean, it's only 11 minutes. It's totally worth it. it it's just a breeze, basically. The book of Malachi is a prophetic book. It contains passages in which Malachi tries to warn the Israelites of certain behaviors that God condemns. The book was written when the Jews returned home. And the book was also was written to the people of Israel because they forgot God and needed a reminder. The main people in the book consist of Malachi, the Jews, Esau, and Jacob. The book of Malachi has a lot of rhetorical questions and is written in a question and answer writing style. So now we'll go to a brief overview slash outline. And I like to call this chunking, like what we do in English. We break it up into paragraphs and stuff. But um, this is kind of copied from my Bible, uh, the little paragraph um, that breaks the book up, like a little blurb sort of thing. So I basically just kind of copied that out of my Bible. But this is what I had to say. The Jews had repaired their own houses. They'd also fixed the temple, but things weren't good. The people had completely forgotten God. They did not give to God. Or when they when they did give to God, they weren't giving enough or they gave God the wrong things when they were giving offerings and stuff. They married the wrong people who worshipped false gods. Malachi told the Jews to turn back to the Lord. He had warned them God would judge them as, as they didn't love God, as God will take care of those who love him. The, the book of Malachi can be chunked or put into seven parts. This is how my Bible did it. And the first part, it can separate it from chapter 1, verse 1 to verse 5. The Lord chooses Jacob instead of Esau. That's the first part. The second part we can split uh, Malachi into is chapter 1, verse 6 to verse 14. Give the be your best to the Lord. The third part is chapter 2, verse 1 to verse 9. The Lord warns the priests. That's the third section. Then the fourth part we can split Malachi in is chapter 2, verse 10 to 16. Judah is not faithful to the Lord. And then the fifth part we can split uh, Malachi into is chapter 2, verse 17, to chapter 3, verse 5. The Lord will judge his, his people. Then the sixth and second last uh, section we can split Malachi into is chapter 3, verse 6, to chapter 3, verse 17. Do not steal from the Lord. Uh, the seventh and final, all of chapter 4, the day of the Lord is coming. So that's the what we can split the book of Malachi into. Uh, the major themes of Malachi, the lo God's love for his people, and we can see this in chapter 1, verse 2. I have loved you, says the Lord. That's in chapter 1, verse 2, just said before. Uh, we also can see the theme of disobedience, chapter 1, verse 6. A son honors his father and a slave his master. If I am a father, where is the honor due to me? If I am a master, is the respect due to me, says the Lord Almighty. Then we can also see this in chapter 1, verse 8. When you offer blind animals for suffering, is that not wrong? When you sacrifice lame or diseased animals, is that not wrong? Try offering them to your governor. Would he, would he be pleased with you? Would he accept you? And as we can see, there's a lot of these rhetorical questions we see throughout Malachi. And it says the Lord Almighty, it's the end of the verse. Then another theme we see, so that was God, God's love for his people. And then that was disobedience. 
The next theme we see in the book of Malachi is divorce. Chapter 2, verse 11. Judah has been unfaithful. A destable thing has been committed in Israel and in Jerusalem. Judah has desecrated the sanctuary the Lord loves by marrying women who worship a foreign god, which is, of course, wrong. Then chapter two, we see divorce um, in chapter 2, verse 15. Has not the one God made you? You belong to him in body and spirit. And what does the what does the God, what does the one God seek? Godly offspring. So be on your guard and do not be unfaithful to your wife of your youth. The next theme we see in um, Malachi is injustice. In, we see this in chapter 2, verse 17. You have wearied the Lord with your words. How have we wearied him, you ask? By saying, All who do evil are good in the eyes of the Lord, and he is pleased with him, with them. Or where is where is God of justice? That is injustice. Then we see faithfulness. This is indicated in chapter 3, verse 16. Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other, and the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and on his name. Then the final theme we see is judgment, and we see this in chapter 4, verses 1 to 3. Surely the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble, and the day is that coming will set them on fire, says the Lord Almighty. Not a root or a branch will be left to them. But for, for you who revere my name, the son of righteousness will rise with healing in its, in its rays, and you will go out and frolic like well-fed calves. Then you will trample on the wicked. They will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty. So the themes will recap. The themes that we see in Malachi is God's love for his people, disobedience, divorce, injustice, faithfulness, and judgment. So those are the, how many is that? One, two, three, four, five different themes in Malachi. And in Christ's references now, we'll go, the next thing we'll go to. In the book of Malachi, we don't, Christ is never mentioned. Jesus is never mentioned. But we can see when the Israelites go against God and forget him, isn't that what happened when Jesus was dying on the cross for our salvation? The same thing happened. The Israelites turned away. And we can kind of see that. It's a very similar contrast. The key lessons we can take away from Malachi are we mustn't forget the Lord your God. We should we should have faith in him every day and not turn our backs on, on, on him and always ask for help if we need it and for us to obey his commands. We also shouldn't be getting divorced as Christians marriage is eternal and is a promise to God that shouldn't be broken. And not only that, we shouldn't be marrying the wrong people in the first, in the first place who worship other gods. We should be marrying Christians should marry Christians. End of story. God has said that if we don't accept him into our lives, that there will be a day where people will be judged for their sins that they have committed. Also, I just got a quick fun fact before we, that's pretty much all I've got. Um, in Malachi chapter four, it's one of the shortest chapters in the Bible at only five verses. So yeah, quick fun fact. And yeah, that's all it. And I guess that's all I've got. It's only 11 minutes long. It wasn't a massive book, but I tried to get as much as I could get out of it. So although there's no direct references to the Lord Jesus um, in Malachi, like you said, Noah, there are a couple of um, sort of types or some prophecy regarding him in the future. Um, so I just wanted to quickly look at those verses. Um, so if you have a look at the start of Chapter 3, there's, I think, words to describe John the Baptist there. He was a messenger who was going to prepare the way for the Lord. Um, and that's what it says in verse 1 that says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. So somebody's speaking 
Um, you know, maybe this is Malachi speaking on the word of God. So this is really the voice of God speaking. I will send my messenger and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come. So we've got a God, the voice of God speaking about John the Baptist coming and preparing the way for the Lord whom they were seeking. And we know that the Jews were seeking the Messiah. And when the Lord Jesus came, um, obviously they rejected him as a Messiah. He came to his own, but his own received him not. Um, so I would take that the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. And we know that he came to the temple um, at his after his birth. Um, we know that Simeon was there at that time. Um, and Anna was there. We read that in, um, I think in Luke's gospel, start of Luke's gospel. Um, so you've got that reference there to him. Um, there are probably more um, things in that in that chapter that refer to him. Another um, reference, but in chapter four, Noah, you read this verse: "The Son of Righteousness." That's in verse two. Will arise with healing in. In some translations, it says in its wings, and I've got here in his wings, and this is speaking about a person, and that person is the Lord Jesus, when he comes back to reign on earth. So the first reference in chapter 3 was when he came to earth as a man the first time. This one in chapter 4 um, speaks of him coming back to reign one day in the future when he returns and he will reign for a thousand years and that will usher in this this reign of righteousness and he's the son of righteousness um, who comes with healing in his wings so just a couple of references there to um yeah obviously not directly speaking i was mentioning the lord jesus but prophecies regarding him i just wanted to say as well this this last couple of chapters are a really cool illustration of I remember at the start when you drew that thing, Mike, that had the what the prophets could see, and there was the you're going up the hill, and you could see up till the coming of Christ, and then there was the 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 hidden bit, which was the the church age, and then after that there was the the tribulation, the millennium, and and um, going on into the eternal state, so that they couldn't see that that dip because it's just so mixed up in in chapter three. There's the Lord coming. Um, into um coming into the um in chapter three verse one he suddenly comes to his temple so that's the start of the start of the gospels as you are saying but then all of a sudden who shall endure the day of his coming and who will stand when he appears but he came meek and lowly and there he wasn't coming judging anyone um he will be like a refiner's fire at the end of verse two and and those things haven't yet come about i think and like chapter four or chapter chapter three as well, you have all the, um, in verse 16, they that feared Jehovah spoke often to one another. So you have the first few chapters of Luke where there's Anna and Simeon and the, the faithful people who are waiting and all of a sudden it's the, the son of righteousness and it's it's all mingled together. There's no There's no distinguishing what happens when the Lord comes first with what happens when he comes a second time, it's, it's blended. 
Uh, just a question. Was Malachi the last person, uh, the last prophet um, before the time of Jesus? Yeah, that's a good question, Sal. Yep. Um, Malachi is the last prophet to write. Um, he, yeah, it's the last book in the Old Testament and it's in the right place uh, chronologically that way. It is the last uh, prophecy to be written before the Lord Jesus comes. And there's 400 years after between Malachi or maybe 450 years between Malachi and, and uh, the coming of the Lord Jesus. And yeah, there's no, there's no writing in that time. God doesn't speak in that time um, except for some chapters in Daniel where Daniel describes what's going to happen with various kings at that time. Other than that, there's no real prophecy um, or no real um, message from God during that time. So 400 years of silence before the Lord comes. Then did we know this is the 400 years what's happened all this period? Where is in the Bible all this period, the 400 years? Yeah, it's not really mentioned in detail in the Bible, uh, Suze. So there's some verses in, there's some chapters in Daniel that deal with it, just speaking about kings that are coming. So I think it's from the start of Daniel 11. Yeah, it speaks about three kings of Persia coming. Um, and then it speaks about Greece rising up. Yeah, verse 3. Yeah, a mighty king shall stand up and shall rule with great dominion according to his will. And this is this would be Alexander the Great. So he was during that um, period of 400 years. And then his kingdom is split up into four. And we know that historically as well. So that says his kingdom shall be broken up and shall be divided towards the four winds of the heavens. Um, and then talks about the downfall of the kingdom. His kingdom shall be plucked up even for others beside these. So that's really what happened in those 400 years. The Persians rose to power, then the Greeks conquered them, um, and then they were at their greatest power during the time of Alexander the Great. And then after his death, there were four um, generals of uh, the Grecian Empire who ruled and there were various wars amongst them and others. And then the Greeks eventually fell to the Romans. And that's how the New Testament starts with Rome in power. Yeah, I guess you get, you get it symbolised in Daniel chapter 2 with the vision that Nebuchadnezzar saw, those four empires starting with his own and then the, the next empire, the Medes and the Persians, and then the next empire, the Greek empire, and then the Roman empire. Um, those empires are not spoken about by name in Daniel chapter 2 or Daniel chapter 7, for that matter, where they're presented again. But in chapter 8 of Daniel, um, Daniel sees that vision of the, the ram and the goat and those two animals fighting one another and the angel interprets really plain. He said some, one of them is Greece and the other, I have to find the verse now. 21. Yeah. Media and Persia in verse 20 and then Greece in verse 21. I don't think the Roman Empire is named 
in the Old Testament, but um, it's indicated as being the next one that comes after Greece. And when the Lord Jesus is born, immediately the first thing you see is the Roman Empire in charge. So it's pretty obvious that that was the one that was intended when Daniel spoke. And then if you remember last week, um, Zechariah chapter 9 also describes an attack of Alexander the Great coming down, um, and it also talks about four empires. So there's these prophetic hints, but um, I think your question is, is good. There's no actual description in the Bible of what happened historically during those 400 years. There are some books that... Um, some people corruptly have tried to insert into the Bible. They're called the Apocrypha. And some of those contain historical records that are kind of twisted with lots of myths and legends chucked in. So that it might be possible to read some history out of those books that you'll find in, in some printings of the Bible that um, you wouldn't regard them as being very reliable. The other thing is that God, when God speaks, he's, he's concerned with, with, with our moral state, not, not always what's, what's linear in, when he gives a history. So one thing we can be sure of is the state that Malachi spoke to the people in here was probably the same state that carried them through till the days of, of the Lord when, when he came. And there's certainly a lot, of, um, a lot of what comes out in this book that's very identical to to the religious leaders and, and what was going on in the days of Jesus. For one thing, divorce was a huge thing, apparently, from the responses you get from the disciples, etc. just as a, a, a small illustration. <laughs>